0: We are in the book of Acts. And I tell you, I've, I've really um, wanted, I've really thought about shifting this to Sundays because I've really enjoyed just going through the book of Acts. And, of course, if I did that on Sundays, I would probably break it down with less, you know, more of a half chapter at a time instead of a, a whole chapter at a time. But, you know, what's really exciting is is that we have one of our Sunday school classes that are going through the book of Acts. We're going through the book of Acts and here our children's ministry uh, on Sunday mornings is going through the book of Acts. So it's 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 really, um, someone mentioned, they said, I wish our whole church would be a part of this. And, and, and honestly, I do. I wish everyone uh, was um, as astute uh, and faithful and dedicated as you guys of being here and uh, enjoying this study as I am uh, as well. So, you know, really the book of Acts, at least... This chapter eleven is uh, almost a launch point for uh, what we're going to be discussing over the next few months about um, discipleship and or, or equipping and advancing the kingdom, and so uh, so here we, we find ourselves at the very beginning in, in in Acts chapter eleven. It says, and I have I have the ESV here and the New King James Version. And so, Josh, I'm not sure if you were going to follow me tonight. If you are, I'll I'll use the New King James for your benefit. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judah heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? So, right off the very bat, we have a crisis or controversy. There's never contention in the church, is there? (laughs) Everyone, I I was actually studying today uh, about modalism. Anybody know what modalism is? Modalism is the the, um, study of God being one, but just, just identifying himself in different modes in different seasons. There's there's Trinitarianism, there's modalism, and then there's Unitarianism. So uh, that just, you know, I don't know why I was studying that day. I just happened to be studying that and study the fact that Tertullian refuted that in the Council of Nicene and all that good stuff. But um, So in other words, I say that to say that you know, as we grow in Christ, as, as the church has grown through history, there's been things that they've had to work out. There's been things that, that ideas that people have had that they've tried to interject into theology, and some of those things have stuck, and yet when we go through the Word, we see, I mean, there's literally whole denominations that believe in modalisms. The Unitarians, um, some apostolic churches believe in modalism, and uh, yet how do how do we uh, look at the scripture and we see where Jesus praying to the Father? Uh, we see at the very baptism of Christ Jesus, where the Father speaks. The dove in the 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 Spirit in the form of a dove comes and rests on Christ who's being baptized. You know. I mean, we see these imageries, and we see uh, even at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1, where he says, um, let us make man, uses the, uses the plural word us with a singular word make, them. Uh, so it, it very much depicts the Trinity of God throughout. So uh, there's been controversy, there's been thoughts, there's been processes, but guess what? God, if, if people are truly seeking the face of God, God always uh, enlightens them with his truth and directs them in his path. Amen, amen. So here is a controversy that is breaking out a little bit, and um, Peter uh, uh, hears these these objections to his association with the Gentiles. Um, when you're when you let me let me say when you're doing God's work, guess what? There's going to be criticism. <laughs> If you're doing God's work, there's always some type of criticism that comes. Uh, um, I had one preacher tell me, said, said, if somebody is criticizing you, just hand them the mic and say, can you do better? (laughs) And, 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 you know, honestly, uh, as a pastor, especially in a southern Pentecostal church, there's an expectation of a style of preaching that people anticipate and, want. and it's not And it's not even biblical, it's just a desired style that people anticipate, right? It almost uh, causes pastors to become um, more entertainers and performance-based rather than truth-based. I mean, you've heard people. You'll have an an emotional service, and whoa, hallelujah! What did preacher preach? I don't know, but it was good. Like what? What? Right? I mean, I I mean, how many times that happened? Truth, for but I, I don't know. I, I would rather have the truth of God be told and know that it, it might not be the style that I anticipate, but man, was. Was my heart torn by the word of God or let it happen, Jesus, right? Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judah heard the Gentiles had also received the word of God. They the the great the greatness of the work of among the Gentiles in Caesarea could not be kept silent. Listen, when God's work is happening, everybody's gonna find out about it. And somebody says, Do you need advertising for everything? In some things you do, but listen, when revival truly breaks out, people won't need to, to find out about it on a marketing board. The word will spread that, man, have you heard what's going on down at such and such church? God is doing a great work. People are being healed. Lives are being touched. It's amazing, Right? When God's doing something, the word gets out. And so here this word gets out. Uh, they hear about it all the way um, back in Jerusalem. But what, what's unique to me is that at the end of verse, the uh, end of chapter 10, after uh, we see the Holy Spirit falling on the Gentiles in Cornelius' house and, uh, and Paul, or sorry, Peter baptizes them, the last verse of that says, "Then they ask him to remain for some days." And so, it doesn't tell us how many days that is. It doesn't tell us how long that he spent uh, with them. And and I'm sure, because one, Cornelius was a God-fearing man, so he's probably uh, heard about the Jewish ways, but yet here he is hearing about the Messiah, so I'm sure Peter spent some days with them, discipling them, preparing them uh, for the life that they will now live under the unction of the Holy Spirit that now they have received. And, and so this word has gotten back to uh, the brethren and uh, those in Jerusalem. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. What are you doing, Peter? How have, How is it that you are going into the house of these uncircumcised people? What are you thinking? I mean... These are, these are not Jewish people. These are unclean men, and you're going in their house. Not only are you going in their house, but you're eating with them. How horrible. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really as if they're giving an indictment to Peter saying, You know better than this. You're, you're, you're one of us. You, you know that you're not supposed to do that this you're a faithful Jew and now you've associated with these horrific Gentiles even going to their house to eat with them this is this is offensive you ever uh, done something that the Lord's told you to do and a Christian brother or sister gets offended by it sometimes it don't sometimes the Lord tells us to do things that that aren't traditionally correct <laughs> uh, that aren't Religiously correct, but it is exactly what he has called us to do. Peter went Peter went and and did what he did and and he had to contend they, they contended with him they um, it's funny because you see Peter here here contending with these in Jerusalem, and yet if you look into Galatians chapter two, it was Paul who was having to contend with Peter for the same thing, right? Later, so so later on, Peter finds himself back in a rut, and Paul's having to con, con, really to confront him face to face in front of everybody. Say, wait a minute, you know, uh, you you can't you can't expect these people to walk as Jews because they're not Jews. So, Peter's kind of getting a taste of his own medicine that he'll, <laughs> that he'll later give, and he and he shared a meal with them. This was a to share a meal with somebody was super. Special. It was a sign of fellowship. Uh, in, in that time and culture, in that time and that culture, it meant a lot to to go into someone's house, spend time with them. It, it really um, gave a significance of the relationship that that was being built. And, and this was this was considered, I mean, significant compromise to their Jewish faith. But yet, here, uh, God was making a huge shift in the church at that moment. We saw where the gospel has spread throughout Judea, from Jerusalem, Judea. Now, now it's hitting into Samaria, into the Gentiles. And, and the reaction of the Christian Jews shows really the significance of the change that God was actually making in this moment. So Acts chapter 10 is, is really a pivotal uh, uh, scripture for the church. Uh, the change, uh, this is like, you, you don't have to become a Jew first before becoming a Christian. That's what they thought. They thought you had to you had to follow the Jewish patterns. You had to be a Jew before you become a Christian. And here uh, the Lord is changing that mentality. That was very difficult. Right? Wouldn't that be difficult? <laughs> but not only with that, but he was also saying to the to the Jewish followers of Jesus that you're going to have to accept the Gentiles who are not Jewish custom who not follow Jewish customs. They're not going to follow your the same patterns they're not going to follow the same ceremonies they're not going to do the same things. These people are going to come to Jesus and love Jesus they're not going to circumcise they're not going to do all these things they're going to be Jesus' followers and you have to accept them they're not any uh, more they're not any more inferior than anybody else. They're equal to us. Wow at first they were probably more concerned with Peter. Uh, For what Peter did with than what God was doing with the Gentiles, they're more concerned about the meal that Peter was having than what God was doing with the Gentiles. Peter, I can't believe you—you abandoning your faith, man. (laughs) We'll go on. Well, let me say this: Peter was very wise in taking six people with him, right? Very wise of taking six people with him to Cornelius's house so that uh, so that they could witness these things uh, as well verse 4 says but Peter explained it to them uh, Peter explained it to them in order that from the beginning saying i was in the city of joppa praying and in a trance i saw a vision an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by by the four corners and it came to me, and when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." But I said, "Not so, Lord, for nothing common, uh, for nothing common or unclean has, uh, has at any time entered my mouth In verse nine, but the voice answered and me again and from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call." Uncommon now this was done three times and all, and all were drawn up again into heaven and that very moment three men stood before me at the house where I was having uh, I was having been sent for me from Caesarea. then the spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we went entered the man's house verse thirteen. And he told us how he had uh, seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, "Send me to Joppa. Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell uh, you the words by which you have, which you and all your household will be saved." Verse fifteen. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning. So Peter explained to them from the very beginning. He went all the way back. This this really shows the humility of Peter. I mean, he didn't flaunt his apostolic uh, um, his apostolic authority in this moment to to say I did it and that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> he was very gentle with them. Instead, he began to humbly recite what had happened. the The, the Greek really makes it very clear that he that he gave a very precise explanation to them of what happened. In reality, what Peter was doing is he was now reverse discipling his Christian brothers. He was was helping them understand that God's plan may not be what we thought it was going to be. And just because uh, Jesus was born... To the Jews, it doesn't mean that salvation was just unto the Jews. So here he is having to explain to them very precisely what took place, and 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 he shared with them how the vision took place and how the Lord brought brought this sheet down, tied from four corners, with all these animals on it. Uh, I, I wonder if this is where the foursquare gospel got their church, church name, right? The foursquare—I I don't know. For those who know about the four-square church, maybe you, maybe you can give me insight on that. But, it's, but the sense is, is that that sheet represented the church. Peter probably didn't understand it at first when this was taking place, but the sheet was really a representation of what the church would look like in the future. It would have all different kinds of people, all different kinds of ethnicities, all different kinds of backgrounds and, and cultures will be represented in the church. And thank God for that, right? Amen. I mean, what I, I love to see on Sunday mornings is uh, when I look across the congregation and there's some some Greeks, right? Sorry, George. He's that barbarian... Um, uh, Hellenist. <laughs> Kathy said yes and amen. But but to see folks from the continent of Africa, to see people, people from Haiti, to see people from Venezuela, to see people from all over gathering together, what a blessing it is to see God moving right here at Alcoa Maryville Church of God. So it's a good representation of the church to see this coming about says when he entered the house this may have surprised those who were questioning Peter when he we said when i entered the house were, oh, you did what you entered their house uh, so peter admitted entering the home of the Gentiles something probably their jewish customs and traditions probably just you know broke all of their laws and uh, not really their laws it broke their traditions because really the law of moses didn't say that they couldn't do that it was the traditions that that they had followed that said that they couldn't do that. How many know that sometimes we've set some traditions up that God never meant for us to set up, right? Amen. But I, I think Peter being careful in how he presented this is that he presented there was an angel of the Lord that had presented himself in the house. <laughs> in other words, God showed up before I did, and he was there, so I guess it's all right for me to come in too, Right? <laughs> so he's he's trying to once again he's trying to be very sensitive to uh, their feelings very sensitive to how they felt how they feel about this and then and then the holy spirit fell upon them uh and, and 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 this is how he states it just like he did with us it wasn't in any different manner it wasn't he didn't fall on them and they did something different he fell on them and they began to speak in tongues, and it was powerful. It was just like cloven tongues of fire coming and setting on each one of them. This is the same God who did it for us, did it for them. Come on, right? Man, I, I, I've told this story about going down into Riobamba, uh, Ecuador. And going amongst those those uh, church past- pastors, mind you, church pastors, and it was at a, a, a little Bible school that s- that somebody had started, and and so they asked me and uh, Pastor Dale from Rio East to ask us to come and and teach, and so we were we were talking amongst ourselves, and we started talking to the pastors and and sharing with them about the Holy Spirit, and it was like they'd never heard of such. I was like, well, wait a minute you are you are church of god right this is the church of god cleveland tennessee <laughs> this is like the church of god of anderson indiana is you know but no and, and so to to be in those services and them experience the power of the holy spirit is like God, I pray that everywhere we go, we see the power of the Holy Spirit falling on people all over the world because it's it's amazing to me because uh, the Baptist church came out about, about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago and they said this. They said, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues in other countries. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But they said, well, pe- people in other countries experience God different than we experience. And I'm like, That doesn't make sense. I pray that the power of God falls on everybody around the world. We need a a latter day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This generation is starving to death for a move of God. And I pray for a church that's willing to, to look back at the last generation and say, Your traditions have stifled the power of God. It's time, just as Peter had to go back and tell the church leaders and say, Look, just, just because you have believed this is the only way God can move, guess what? God can move in this way too and upon this people. And it's time for us to grow up and mature and let God be God wherever he wants to be God. Amen? Amen. Amen. It was clear. They, they could not. Uh, withhold the acceptance that God had moved because when God moves and he does the miraculous and it's God himself that moves, then nobody can deny it. Amen. Amen. Verse 16 says, Then I remembered the word of the Lord. This, this, is, this is once again Peter being very gentle with these guys. I remembered the word of the Lord. I remember what Jesus said. This is what he's saying. John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as He gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was who was I that I could stand uh, could withstand God, or who was I that I could stand in the way of God? Is really how it should be uh, stated. Verse eighteen, when they heard these things. They became silent. You want to silence your critic, criticizers? Let God move. <laughs> it, it's funny because um, when New Hope Church of God, in, I guess it's in Servierville, when they were, when they were moving from their old facility, uh, the pastor was telling me, he said that he had some some folks that were very traditionalists who said, "I can't believe you're moving from this facility and you're doing this and you know and, and 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 it was it was difficult for him because you know they they were growing they were outpacing their their facility and they needed they definitely needed to make a move and they made that move and and in the process of making that move, God opened the door for him to reach that woman's son who'd been out of church for years. And, and the young man, because of a new atmosphere, because of the traditional things that had happened in that church and the hurt that he had received from that church as a youth, uh, feeling the freedom to go to another church and experience the power of God, went there, got saved, and his mother uh, came back later on and said, Pastor, forgive me for being such a, a, a hard nose in this process. And Look, sometimes we just need to say, Lord, not my will, but Thine be done right? Lord, I let me not be the one that's in the way of what you have in store for the body of Christ. God, position me in a place that I can uh, be open to whatever you choose to do in the body. Amen? Isn't that the way that we should be if, if we are considered, if we look back at 1 Peter chapter 5, if we would really truly humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, then in due seasons, he will raise us up in due seasons. He'll put us in the position that we need to be, so that we can be the most uh, 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 most useful to His plan. Amen. So here he is. He's sharing with them this this word. I remember. So I got to get back in. It's important also to know that these Christians. <laughs> They would see. They would see. This was all recorded in the scriptures. I mean, when he said, "I I remembered," and he began to share the word of God, he's re- really talking about Mark chapter one and eight. He's talking about what the Lord told them in Mark chapter one eight. He's he's also going back and and and, and looking at passages of uh, Isaiah forty nine and six and talking about how that uh, the Lord would be uh, a Lord would be a light to the Gentiles, and so he's helping them see that. Their traditions and their their views had had caused them to only see God in one way. It put God into a box, but yet God is not meant to be put into a box. Amen. There are many of us today, many people today, who look at some of the work uh, or uh, another say, look what God's doing. But I also want you to understand that that we also have to be cautious to make sure that when we when we say look what God's doing, that it lines up with God's word too. Because God's not going to do something contrary to his word. Amen. And in this instant, we see that God's God was moving, and it also lined up with his word. I remember what the Lord said. And this lines up with what God said. Amen. <clears throat> they became silent. The first reaction stunned them, but guess what? Once they were quiet and could settle their minds, they began to glorify God. And and, and that's important. Our desire is not to, to hurt anyone. Our desire is not to turn anybody away. Our desire is to bring glory and honor to God. Our desire is to bring others to that same position of bringing glory and honor to God. That they want to worship Him the way we worship Him. That they want to honor Him because of what He's done. Amen? And this, this this really demonstrates uh, the heart of uh, demonstrates the heart of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. It, it really uh, softened them enough to be guided and corrected by God, so that so that they could worship the Lord, so they could uh, let go of some of their prejudices and and traditions to be uh, to allow God's word to work and God to work in them and through them. Verse uh, nineteen. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as uh, Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to the when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists. Uh, and, and let me just say, the Hellenists. Here, uh, in previous times, we've talked about the Hellenist Jews, and that would be Greek-speaking Jews. But when it says the word by itself, Hellenist, it's talking about Greek-speaking non-Jews. So they spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the the Lord Jesus, and and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord, preaching the word to no one only but the Jews, no one but the Jews. At first, Christians scattered. They, they had that same mentality that, that Jesus came for the Jews. And so they went specifically out. That's who they were targeting. That's who they were going to speak at. They were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, preaching only to the Jews. But, but eventually began to preach Jesus Christ to the Gentiles as well. Um, and so here it is. They see some of these guys from Cyprus and Cyrene. Uh, I wonder... If Simon was one of those, Simon the serene, that carried the cross for Jesus, you remember how they grabbed him and put him, made him carry that cross. My thought when I saw this is, I wonder if he was one of those that went out preaching the gospel. If he was one of those that 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 day impacted him so powerfully that he couldn't withhold it, he had to go out and share with somebody this powerful word of Jesus. And so uh, you see these Cyprus and Cyrene spoke to the Hellas, preaching the Lord Jesus. These were unknown disciples. It doesn't give a name, but but literally these guys were the genuine heroes of the gospel to the Greeks. It wasn't it wasn't Paul first, it wasn't Peter first, it was these guys, these unknown disciples going out preaching the gospel and and, and uh, they, if if, if reality is, is that's the first time the missions to the Gentiles was ever mentioned in the Word of God, is these unknown, unnamed disciples preaching the Word of God. Um, that's powerful. I mean, you don't have to have you don't have to be a a, a person that stands behind a pulpit or somebody who's been, you know, uh, trained at the seminary to be the first evangelist, right? You guys are. Evangelist, wherever you go, evangelist being carrying the good news of Jesus Christ, right? In Antioch, we have this first example of Christians deliberately targeting Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ, evangelizing them, and, and this—the great thing is—is is that uh, it says, "And a great multitude of them believed and followed," right? When they came to Antioch, now how many know about Antioch? Know a little the history of Antioch, a little bit. Antioch was um, was really named after I think his name was well. It was the Seleucid uh, period. Um, did you did you realize that this particular Antioch was found at 300 BC by Cilicius I? It was right after Alexander the Great had died. Uh, he was one of the inheritors of the kingdom. And, and actually, it was the Seleucid Empire that continued to grow from 312 B.C. to 64 B.C. And his dad, his dad was named Antio- Antiochus. And so, therefore, he, he actually named 15 different cities after his father as Antioch. And this would be one of them, uh, and the name of this Antioch would be Antioch, um, Antioch of Syria. Uh, another another a word for it was Antioch, Orontonus, and his and his mother was named um, Losidia. Losidius, and so therefore you have the city of Laodicea. Was named after his mother, so you can see the impact that he had on all of society. But this particular Antioch was um, grew to be one of the the largest cities of the known time, I and mean, there was three major cities of that time. One was Rome. Um, let's see, Rome. I'm trying to think what the other one was. Alexandria, and then and then Antioch. They, they said it had grown to to half a million people by this time can you imagine that how big this was so and 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 not only that it was kind of like that rome was a religious center um athens is another city athens was a, a philosophy center Alexandria was a thinking city but yet this was a city of business but it was also considered a city of immorality so you can imagine the the hardship they had. They, you know, going to the going to Cornelius was easy in the sense that Cornelius was a God fearing person, but going into Antioch was going into a heathen people who had no idea about the Jewish life, had no idea about Christianity, they had nothing but just an immoral life. They were, uh, were just five just five miles from Antioch was. Uh, the temple of Ar- armidius artemis so they were worshipers of diana they they had prostitution worship it was just a horrific place in that area and yet here is where they began to preach the gospel of jesus christ how many know that in the darkest places the light shines the brightest in the darkest pl- you know we we uh, in in honduras uh, it's it's funny because there's a place called Comiagua, honduras and uh, it, it's, it's right in the middle of the country in a beautiful uh, valley. It's always cool there. It, I mean, the, the, the wind is nice. The breeze is nice. And uh, there's, more, there's more bilingual schools in that area than any other place, per capita of people, than any other place in all of Honduras. You know why? Because the missionaries wanted to go to the coolest place and the easiest place to be. But if you go down to La Mosquitia, the jungle, where it's hot as Hades <laughs> and electricity, there's no electricity in most of La Mosquitia and, and, and the only travels by boat or by, by horse or whatever, uh, you just there's no way to t- traverse the terrain inside the jungle. Guess what? There's none. <laughs> there is no uh, bilingual schools. So... What am I trying to say? Look, too many times we want to go to the places it's easy, but guess what? God wants us to go to where people are in need, Amen. where people are hurting, where people are broken, where, where people need, to, to need Jesus Christ. That's where God wants us to go. In our society, in our community, there's places who need Jesus. People talk about, don't go on that side of the tracks, right? But guess what? Where do we need to be? On that side of the tracks, if we've got to be where God wants us to be. We've got to touch people where they are. Uh, the, listen, the people aren't going to come here. We've got to go there. Amen. Amen. So, here they are. They're in Antioch. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Let me tell you something. A ministry cannot turn people to the Lord unless the hand of the Lord is with them. Right? You can't turn people to a personality without the hand of the Lord. You can't turn people to a social club without the hand of the Lord. You can't turn people uh, to a church or an institution without the hand of the Lord. But you, can, but you cannot turn people to the Lord without the hand of the Lord. You need the hand of the Lord to turn people to Himself, right? He wants to be with us. He wants to go with us and be a part of us. The phrase, they believed and turned to the Lord... It's a good description of what of what the work of both faith and repentance. How many of that true repentance or true faith will lead to repentance? Right? It's not enough to come and lay your burdens before the Lord because I mean, if you look at Luke chapter 13, 3, it says, without repentance, right, there is no remission for sins. We have to have repentance. And so here these guys are. Not only are they believing, not only is it, man, that sounds pretty cool, that's a good idea, but they're having a heart change. These are Hellenistic. Folks who are living in immorality, who are hearing the gospel for the first time and are not only believing but being transformed by God to a way of repentance. Now, repentance is not just coming to tell God your problems. Repentance is turning away from the things that you used to do. This is, is literally renouncing those things, saying, I will not walk in that any longer. I turn to God. I believe in Him. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going I'm to trust Him. He's my God, Right? That's what's taking place right here. Verse 22, then the news of these things came uh, to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Once again, guess what? Somebody's going to go tell somebody. (laughs) I'm going to tell on you. Nan, Henny, boo-boo. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Like, we don't know these guys. They're out there sharing the gospel. We don't know what they're teaching. We better send somebody who knows what they're doing, right? So they send, they send Barneas, Barnabas as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with, with purpose of heart. They should continue with the Lord. For he was a, I love this, I love how they describe Barnabas. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. They sent Barnabas. It, it really doesn't surprise me uh, that they sent Barnabas. I mean, when you think of Barnabas, how many know that Barnabas was his nickname, right? His real name was Joseph. And, and we, we we see Joseph at another time. Um, we, see, we see him at another time, and I, in just a second I'll share that, but Barnabas means son of consolation. He was someone who was an encourager. He was someone who was always there lifting up somebody. So, again, so evidently, evidently, his daddy was an encourager, and he's an encourager, right? But Barnabas was was a great help from the very beginning of the church. I mean, when you consider that when, when the in, in in the early church they were already selling their goods. You remember Ananias and Sapphira who came and they sold their goods and they only gave a por- portion of it and they dropped down dead, right? Because they were lying uh, to the Holy Spirit. Well, but just before that, it was Barnabas who had sold a, a massive amount of property and given that to the church. So here's a guy who's who's a giver. He's already uh, uh, activated and invested in the church. So, so. um he sells his property and lays the proceeds at the apostles' feet there in Acts chapter 436. He was the first to recognize what God was doing in the life of Saul or the Apostle Paul and encourage the apostles to receive him. There in Acts chapter 9. Right here, as we see, he was sent to Antioch to see what God was doing among the Gentile believers. Uh, and he encouraged them. And later, it was him who who uh, who helped John Mark come along. And instead of being pushed away, he said, "Now nah, bring him along." So, Barnabas was a dis- was a discipler. He was a mentor. He was one who poured into people. He was one who. In- later, you'll see uh, at the very end of this chapter where it was Barnabas and Paul were sent. Right, and later it's Paul and Barnabas. The shift is because. Barnabas doesn't need his name first. Barnabas is not looking to be first. Barnabas is one who's willing to promote others. He's willing to encourage others. He's willing to see others push to the limelight because he just enjoys loving on people. He just enjoys encouraging somebody else. Go get him, dude. You're the man. Yes, yes. Right? Love it. (laughs) All right, so news gets back to Jerusalem. And I suppose it, as as you say, it always it always gets that way. It always goes back there. So they send uh, Barnabas. Uh, says uh, had seen the grace of God, and he was glad. I'm trying to go through this pretty quickly because my time's running out, and I want to finish up. What's beautiful is is there's something the work in the atmosphere among the followers of Jesus in Antioch. And and and, and Barnabas sees that he gets there, and it didn't take. An apostle Peter it didn't take you know these other guys to come in. He sees this work and he's encouraged by it he was he was glad he was like, man, this is amazing this this is encouraging to see that it doesn't take somebody from uh, Cleveland, Tennessee to come over to spread the gospel, right that the spirit of God moving in the people is powerful and he's using and equipping them for service. So he goes out and, and, he ta- and he's, he's glad to see how, he, how, how the God is moving amongst them. And it says and he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart. In other words, I, I, what, it, what he's really saying is he encouraged them and he, and he gave them purpose to keep on going. This is your purpose. Let this, let this be your drive. Let this be the thing that, that, that motivates you every day. And the Lord's with you, right? The grace of God is with you. Uh, continue with the Lord. Continue doing what God is doing. Continue. Uh, this is the other thing is, is that I, I mentioned Henry T. Black, Blackaby this past Sunday, but this is another thing that Barnabas does. He sees what God is doing. He doesn't go and say, uh, Y'all are not doing that right. This is, not the way, this is not the way they taught us how to do it at seminary. You're supposed to do it this way. Or is that cemetery? I mean, anyway. He saw what they were doing. He saw what God was doing. And he joined it. And he encouraged it. Man, if we could just get a This is really uh, an Ephesians 4, which I don't want to delve into that too much because that might be what I'm preaching Sunday. But this is really an Ephesians 4 moment. Of God's giftings working in the body, and and the wor- and the He gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the saints. The the saints are are being equipped, and the work of God is going forward and it's being multiplied because it's not just twelve now; it's it's hundreds, it's thousands going out, spreading the gospel, being the voice of God to a generation that's never heard the word. Come on, right? man let it happen verse 25 then barnabas departed from for tarsus to seek paul and when he had found him he brought him to antioch so it was that so so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people and the disciples were first called christians in antioch i thought this was pretty significant that Barnabas seeing the work of God, there's two, two, things, two dynamics in my mind that goes on right here. First of all, he sees the work of God and how amazing it is because it says that there were multitudes added to the church. They were believing and, 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 they were believing and following the Lord. And, and so this is a, an amazing work, and he's willing to leave it, right, to go find Saul, Paul, and bring him back. Now, one is, is that evidently he trusted what these guys were doing. He trusted that they were continuing to bring the fire of God into this place. They, they were continuing to spread the gospel. But the other side is, is he recognized the necessity of discipling all these new believers. And he knew, I can't do this by myself. And so the Bible says he went, to, departed for Tarsus to seek Paul. You know, Barnabas remembered uh, that, that this, this guy who had been persecuting people, man, he was on fire the last time I saw him. And he had to go, they sent him out to Tarsus to spend a little while. Now, this is probably, uh, some would say up to 12 years since the last time we've actually seen Paul. Some would say 12 years, some would say seven. If you go back to Galatians chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 2, you can see him talking about how he spent three years here and, and then how he spent some time over there. And he says, he says it had been 14 years in chapter 2, verse 1. He said it had been 14 years since he had returned to Jerusalem, all right? So, so here's this time frame. Where's, where's Paul been, right? What, what's he been up to? Now he's not been silent, he's not been quiet because he says that in Galatians chapter 2. But Barnabas recognizes he had need of Saul. Uh, the word to seek Saul was not that he went to, you know, 2550 Old White's Mill Road um, with the address and said, Hey man, I've been looking for you. Come on. Yeah, hey, Paul. <laughs> Different Paul lives there he he the the word literally means that he hunted him down it doesn't know it doesn't you know i wonder how long it took to find paul uh, amongst the the crowd of people that was in tarsus and and literally and, and i'm not sure that he was uh laying low somewhere he was out because the way he talked the way he talked about in in galatians that he was in various places preaching the gospel and teaching he was sharing with some of the prominent people in silence because he didn't want to uh, he didn't want to uh, hurt their stature in society right but to everybody else he was just preaching the gospel so so Barnabas went out searching for Saul. So it took. I don't. There's no telling. It doesn't say uh, give us amount of time, but it was not just an easy search. It was a laborious search to look for uh, Saul to come back to bring him back with him. And he found him. He he recognized that Saul is a valuable asset to the kingdom of God, where everybody else was afraid of him. Everybody else had thrown him to the wind. Barnabas said, "Man, this man is on fire. We need him a part of the body now." So uh, he brought him back, and, and I love this. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. You know, I, 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 I love to see the church discipled. I'm walking lightly here, okay? <laughs> um, but sometimes I wonder, does the church want to be discipled? Because, look, to me, these are discipleship moments right here. And where's the rest of this side, right? Do people really want to be discipled? I mean, we're, we're looking at starting uh, three classes in February, dis- discipleship-oriented classes, to equip people with, one, how to hear the voice of God, one, how to use the gifts of God, right? We want to equip people to be prepared to use their giftings in the body of Christ. You know, but just to be real with you as a pastor having tried to do classes here in in the past and seen how very were attended it's discouraging. Now, I'm talking to the cream of the crop here because you guys are the ones that attends classes, right? But I want to see our church move beyond just a worship center to a discipleship center. Because if people are truly being discipled, they will be worshipers, but they will also they'll also be activated to advance the kingdom of God. And 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 how many people? I'm I gotta be careful here. I better get back to this word. I'm gonna, Lord Jesus. How many people sit on pews who have a belief in God but never repented from their ways that are continuing their same way they've always lived? Unless you repent, say it again. Unless you repent. You will in no wise enter the kingdom of God. You gotta repent, dude. You gotta turn away from the old got to live uh, got to live for Jesus the walk you got you got to walk what you talk right anyway oh so they spent a year teaching a year preparing them a year uh, you know why you know why our world's going crazy right now with this woke agenda you know why so many young people are so easily uh distracted by it Because there's no discipleship. We 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 don't value discipleship. And it used to be, and let me, and and parents, I love you, but if you're depending on the church to be the only discipleship center, it has to start at home. You are the disciplers of your children. I mean, because you are the church. You say, well, the church is supposed to disciple my children. Well, you are the church. You're the people of God. And if you're not living it and if you're not sharing it, and if you're not opening, breaking that bread with your children, your family, then, then guess what? Guess who has the children now about six to seven hours a day? The school. You think they're going to disciple your children? They are. It just won't be with what you want them to learn. We have to be the disciple center as families, as a church, as a body. There's a book called It Takes a Village to Raise a, Ch- to raise a Child, right? It takes a village. It takes, it takes a group of people to be able to disciple our children and equip them for the future. We have a job to do, and it's a big task because the world is pulling very strongly against our children, and we need to stand up and share the Word of God. I encourage you. This year, be a disciple and disciple somebody, right? Amen. It says they assemble for a whole year, so let's do this for a year can we can we accept the challenge for a year right i might I might share that again Sunday that sounded good <laughs> all right so so Antioch had a lot of good preaching right a lot of good preaching and They were first called Christians in Antioch. I mean, look, if you look out through the the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, 15, they were called disciples, Acts chapter 5, uh, 14 believers, Acts chapter 5, 32, witnesses, Acts chapter 6, three brothers, Acts chapter 9, uh, 13, saints, Acts chapter 9, 2, followers of the way. Um, But right here, this is more of a a term, a different term. Those were just like talking to each other. Hey, brother. But right here, they this, they, they were given an identification mark. It, it might not have been appropriate because, as a matter of fact, some believe that it was more derogatory uh, than positive, but they wore it as a badge. How many know that uh, wearing the badge of a Christian today is not uh, in, in a secular world that doesn't like us? is not necessarily something honoring anymore right and not popular and and so these guys even though they were called you know Christians in a derogatory sense they wore it as a badge hey i like that name because the word i i a n at the end of a word uh in latin terms decided if they were a part of something like uh the soldiers of of caesar we're called um, Caesarans, Caesarans, right? Caesareans. Is that like a Caesarean? No, I'm just um, <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, um, so they were soldiers of Caesar. So guess what we are? We're soldiers of Christ. So we're Christians. We're, we're the ones of the Messiah. We're the ones of, of Jesus. We're the people. We're Jesus' people. As, a, as, a, what's that group called? We're Jesus freaks. <laughs> we're just Jesus freaks. That's good. First call Christians. Today, Christians must be willing to take at least the idea of the title Jesus people, and walk worthy of that title. Right? Walk worthy of title. Don't just don't just put a Christian fish on your business and say we're a Christian business. No, live by it. If you're gonna put Christian. Uh, by your business, you better honor Jesus Christ, right? If you're going to put a sticker on your car that says you're a Christian, you better drive right, right? That's why I don't have one on my car. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that they didn't identify themselves. I mean, too many times we identify ourselves, well, we're Church of God. They didn't say we're Roman Catholic or we're Protestant or we're charismatic or we're Baptist or Church of God. We are first called Christian because if we're not Christian none of that other stuff matters right we got to be Christians well I'm going to end with uh, just briefly making a statement about Agabus y'all know who Agabus is it goes on and talks about a prophet showed up named Agabus uh, prophesying It says, by the Spirit, that there's going to be a famine. And, of course, it it defines that there was a famine during the time of uh, Claudius Caesar and shares that. I think it goes on. Yeah, there it says there. And um, so the people took it serious. And to me, this identified, this this was beautiful. To me, it identified the unification of the church of, of Antioch how they came together and by the ability that they had as each one had ability it said it said all of them gave according to their ability everyone in other words that whether it be the ability of what was in their bank account or pocket or the ability of their faith they gave and so the other thing that i noticed that this also showed how the giftings were operating at, at this early stage of the church. Remember I talked about Ephesians? He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So here is uh, the first mention of a prophet showing up in the New Testament church, actually sharing uh, a word with them, them believing this word because they evidently they identified with the Spirit of the Lord that had given him the message and received that word, and then it showed the operation of the church. How the church comes together to help those in need. And uh, this, this famine uh, historically uh, ranged from all across that area of the world, and uh, it affected Judea majorly as well. So here, are these Christians from a heathenistic community being discipled came together in a time of need, hearing the voice of God through a prophet minister to the people in need, right? Isn't that what the church is all about? Isn't that that how we have spread the gospel around the world? Through every crisis, through every situation around the world. You know, about 80% of the missionaries that are in Honduras today uh, came there during the 1998 um, hurricane that went in and wiped out a majority of the country. And they came in as organizations and helped rebuild communities and and helped rebuild churches and uh, advance the gospel. That's what the church does. You know, uh, people for care and learning, when when the tsunami hit Indonesia and killed, what, hundreds of thousands of people? It was people for caring and learning that came in and and said, Hey, um, you know, we know that in Indonesia we can't share the gospel, but can we help come and build houses for you? So they built a community. They they started with building uh, houses in the public view. And then they asked, would you mind us building a a community for the homeless people? And they built a a whole community. I'm talking with police department, with everything. I mean, they they built everything. And then because they did that, guess what happened? They were allowed to share the gospel. And now the gospel is advancing in Indonesia in such a rapid way Because people in times of famine, in times of storm, in times of trial, the the body of Christ has always stepped up and always been a participant to help others in the process. Amen? That's where we meet people at, right? I hope you've enjoyed Acts chapter 11. Good stuff, right? Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we continue to grow uh, with and through going through the series of the book of Acts, I pray that you'll teach us your word. Lord, that this word uh, will come alive to us, that we will see the operation and the maturation of the New Testament church. And Lord, we'll recognize that areas of our own immaturity, uh, that we'll recognize areas that we need to be spoken to afresh and anew. God, help us to be willing to also share this gospel with others and be willing to put aside whatever it may be that is hindering us from fulfilling what you have in store for us. God, forgive us for everything that we've held on to that has been tradition, that has hindered the advancement of your truth. But God, I pray that you will once again set a fire inside of us. Lord, I pray that once again we will see cloven tongues of fire coming out of heaven, resting on each one of us. And Lord, that we will once again be refreshed, baptized in your Holy Spirit, anew that we may see the hand of God moving uh, so mightily amongst us, Lord. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. And we're anticipating in this year a great outpouring. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. So good to see you this evening. I, like I said, I know that um, Awake 21 is going on, and, and I don't want to hinder anyone from, uh, if you feel like you want to go uh, to those services, I, it, it's going on every day for the first 21 days. Uh, it'll be here on the um, 15th. Uh, I will personally be speaking at Rio South on the 12th. But, um, so encourage you to go to as many as you can. I understand work schedules and, and uh and all that good stuff. Love you guys.